Two little movies are irrelevant on Brooklyn Rebound Network. It is March 2023. We are post-Oscars, so we don't need to talk about that anymore, even though we probably still will. But, uh, of course, your boy Pod Drew here, and we've got, as usual, a new film to talk about, and we watched an old classic. Well, a new classic to us, but neither of us had seen this one before. Does it pair up with uh, the new film we saw, Infinity Pool? I don't know. We'll have to find that as that out as well. But what's going on over there, E-Nam, Eric? What's up, buddy? It's your boy, Young Clone Wars. And uh, yeah, just excited to be, you know, talking about movies again. It is the only thing I like to do. No, I did hear, and that might be a bit of an exaggeration, I heard you're, you're also uh, dungeon mastering later on. So you enjoy that type of thing as well, right? I am playing in two Dungeons and Dragons campaigns, and I'm having the time of my life, buddy. You're not the. I'm correct calling it a dungeon master. That's the lead man in charge, lead person. Uh, yeah, when I was doing it, my friends called me Dungeon Daddy, but that's not normal. That's my friends are weird. The Dungeon Daddy, uh, but it's you're not daddying on this campaign. You said you're playing it. No, I'm a fresh faced dungeon baby. Um, in the, in these campaigns, oh, so you are. Well, I know you're into that, so maybe next month we can combine your uh, two primary interests here with the, the new apparent movie coming out that I saw a bus oh, God. Ad, a banner for yes the other day, and I've just looked it up. It's called Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves. I was paying no attention to that movie, and then I heard that it was written by the people who wrote Game Night, which is a great movie. So I don't know. Oh, yeah, I got it up here. Yeah, the guy from uh, Freaks and Geeks, the, the main uh, geek, and uh, I guess his writing partner, directing partner. Yeah, I don't know. Game Night was pretty fun. I feel like they made a Dungeons & Dragons movie a while ago, like maybe like years ago. That was a big flop, right? I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, that was, that was awful. <laughs> that was like a weird time too it was like 2000 to 2002 it just seemed like peak like why are we doing this fantasy movies right so you had riddick and i guess it was off the lord of the ring lord of the rings wave that would make sense what is this one off of i guess fantasy's kind of still oh D is hella popular now everybody had nothing yeah. to do for two whole years so weird uh just like a weird um after the cold uh, what do you call these things uh subtitle i guess sub weird the subtitle uh, honor like usually there's like a thing that you would know like john wick colon chapter four okay i get that why does this have like this well counterpoint john wick three was called john wick colon parabellum and i don't know what the fuck that means but the the i I can answer this for you actually because i saw a trailer the honor amongst thieves thing it's because they're thieves so oh they're thieves got it the joke is that they're not heroes. I see. Is that a common D&D 
like role you would select like i'm an elf i'm a thief i'm a wizard are we doing this okay we're doing an extended D bit uh well you can pick your your class which is all sorts of different like i'm currently playing a barbarian named dallas who is the last american cowboy mm-hmm. and like you can be like a wizard or the thief class is called a rogue these guys in the movie they're all different classes but they're they're a band of like ne'er-do-wells they're thieves I see. But, so it should be called Honor Among Rogues, really. Honor Among Ne'er-do-wells. Maybe. Yeah. Just Dungeons and Dragons colon Ne'er-do-wells. That would be a better title. Whatever. I guess I can transition us out of this D&D thing. All right. I yeah, we're, we're, yeah. We're, we're in a nose dive here. <laughs> so it's John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. I guess that's that writer-director team. Maybe that that's a hot thing now, the director team as well, because the Daniels just took home uh, Best Director... At the Oscars, right? They did do that. They did surprisingly do that. Was it a surprise? I don't. I mean, I mean, maybe uh, when the film came out. The Oscars put me in a weird position this year because I really, really loved that movie, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. The, and the top of your list. The so, Oscars yeah. made me really mad by giving it every yeah. award. It's like there are better movies. Yeah. There are two better movies nominated for all of these awards. I don't know, man. Uh, congratulations to a movie that I liked a lot. <laughs> I confess I did not watch the Oscars this year. I uh, watched the, the Jimmy Kimmel's monologue like on YouTube the next day. That's about all I saw of the whole event. Speaking of nosedives. Uh... <laughs> he had a good joke about Nicole Kidman introducing like the, the, the MC. Yes, yes, that was good. That one was making me laugh. Yeah, I didn't see it, but did you watch the ceremony? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I watch every year. The Oscars is my Super Bowl. The team I care about, it never has a chance, and uh, I'll never be satisfied with the outcome. I mean, I used to watch it every year, too, but the past few years I've been had diminishing returns, I guess, and then this year I just didn't even tune in at all. But Well, that's because the Oscars are a nightmare to watch and they never reward the best films. Mm-hmm. Parasite and Moonlight excluded, or accepted. I do feel like they're kind of getting, maybe the ceremony is not getting any better, or it's getting worse itself, but like the, uh, it's the true. films, they're get or that are winning best picture has been pretty deep like at least there's some good ones like you just mentioned two of them in the past decade like i think it's i feel like it's getting a little better maybe i don't know even this year i mean i would i'm not mad at that i guess a lot of worse movies could have been picked instead yeah um, yeah i mean like aside from what was it green book which is an abomination yeah, i didn't see that and uh the Shape of Water for the last, like, I guess since we've been doing this. Yeah. Um, at least the best picture is always, has always been something on my long list, at least. So mm. it's whatever. Yeah, we got, I think we started in 2017 when, yeah, Potting about movies when, when uh, Shape of Water won. Obviously, neither of us was, especially you, uh, but neither of us were too pleased with that one. And then I guess Green Book won the next year. So our, we got off to a better, rough start, I guess. For movies are relevant Oscar but then yeah it hasn't been too bad since I mean Nomadland was like I didn't wasn't like my favorite movie I think it was well well made it was at least on my long list of like 25 movies I really really liked from the year even if like looking back I don't I don't know if Nomadland was even any good um yeah but... I mean I didn't need Frances McDormand winning another Oscar what she did but uh, anyway I guess I'm happy that uh, Michelle Yeoh won for Everything Everywhere, though. Even though I kind of think Kate Blanchett is, like, just the best actor working. So I wouldn't have... I, yeah. So, like, her entire performance 
could have been rewarded in a normal year, but they give it to, you know, it's like a career retrospective sometimes anyway, which I'm fine with in this case. Well, that's the thing, like, we're almost taking merit, and, like, Michelle Yeoh deserved to be considered for that award, but we're, we're even, like, taking merit out of the equation with these awards, because it's, like, there's a campaign season. People are, like, you're, you're throwing parties trying to get people to vote for your guy, right? So, I don't know. Yeah, and then Brennan, Fr- I didn't, never saw The Whale, I don't know, did you see that? I, I can't make myself do it, man. No. I've heard too many things about what an abominable movie is and that he's pretty good in it. And Hong Chao. Yeah, yeah, so he won, which he's a fan favorite just in general. Yeah, I feel like it's offensive. <laughs> like, is this not... The Oscars also rewarded a lot. Like, uh, like some... this one actress won in the 80s, like, Best Supporting Actor for playing a, mm-hmm. a Chinese man, or an Asian man. Probably not Chinese, mm-hmm. but, like... Like, and now people look back on that. And there's, like, I don't know, there's other examples of this sort of thing, like, going way back or even more recently than that. Isn't this going to be one of those things, like, are people still going to be wearing, like, fat suits in movies in 10 years? I don't know. Yeah, I, that that's a tough one, too, because it's, like, is it annoying that people have that complaint or uh, or are they right and just two years too soon? Have the complaint that it's offensive? Right. That, that, uh, that a 280-pound actor, however whatever uh brendan frazier's rockin uh is playing a 600 pound man when i'm I'm certain there is a 600 pound actor out there who would have liked the work yeah Uh, he's not brendan frazier so like what are we arguing about at a certain point but i guess maybe just why make this movie i don't know if you're not going to do that that is the other thing yeah Yeah. i don't know i've never been a big aronofsky fan anyway so that's another reason why i didn't maybe pull the trigger on that one you didn't fuck with mother exclamation i never saw that either but it it was fucking weird. Something about it annoyed me without even seeing it. So I, I never did. <laughs> I can answer that for you. It's Jennifer Lawrence. Okay. I'm on fire today. You are on fire. Now, we, we're we doing a little preamble here. I, I just I wanted to get into... Uh, you know, I, I guess maybe I... Uh, we're going to talk about Infinity Pool. That is the the new, uh, Brandon, new-ish Brandon Cronenberg film. 2023 film. We're also going to talk Kuraniko from 1968, the Japanese film. Chop it up a little up top about some uh, some other current things. Nothing more current than the Oscars and uh, Dungeons and Dragons honor amongst Steve. So, it's been a minute since we've spoken. You've got to allow us to you know get our bands out. That's right. You know, I also w- just watched Cocaine Bear earlier today. So did I. <laughs> today? Oh, yeah. no, just, oh wow! Ooh. Really? What a turd, man. All right, let's switch. We're doing like a bad movies pod now. Forget, forget Infinity Pool. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was fucking terrible. It's, it was just like, I didn't expect it to be good. But like, Me either, but yeah. I try really hard to pretty much only watch movies that I think have a chance of being good. And I went into Cocaine Bear like, okay, this could be fun. And it wasn't even fun. The CGI bear looks like dog shit. There's really no fun gruesome bear stuff it's just like the characters aren't fun either really i mean i love margo yeah usually she wasn't like eh. it it's just like it was so pointless it's like you you made an entire meal of cocaine bear and then left that salt out yeah yeah i just disappointed because i i didn't think it would be good either i thought it might be a little more fun than it was which was really not at all and i like this type of like generally I, i like a slasher film 
which these kind of animal attack movies kind of are a type of that. Um, yeah, I like the type of films where people where a bunch of different characters come in, like disparate characters, and you're cutting back and forth. But I uh, watched a sequel to a mediocre shark movie called The Reef. Yeah, I've <laughs> like I, I I'm prepared to watch one of these animal attack movies. It just wasn't. It just like there's nothing here, man. Wasted waste of a pretty decent cast. I mean, Ray Liotta's mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Was this going to be his last film? It was dedicated to him at the end. That's not one you want to go out on. Yeah, that was a really tough look. Why did they smuggle that like family wholesome goody goody plot into the end there? I don't know. Why did Carrie Russell do the? Is she friends with Elizabeth Banks? Like, why would she even do this role? A point like well. I think it was like how all of the actors from Deadwood do all the same shows and movies, hmm. uh, because Carrie Russell, Matthew Reese, and Margot Martindale all did that movie. Yeah. So, oh yeah, he was in the beginning, like a, I assume an uncredited cameo. Uh, they, yeah. they, both they had both Americans and couldn't come up with a, a good uh, film. I thought the bright spot of acting wise was the girl from Florida Project, who's like a little more grown up now. The daughter, yeah. She got, like, sidelined for most of the movie, but, like, I, I was liking her, and I was like, yeah, that's the little girl from Florida Project that was, like, did, had a really good performance in that, but it was, like, so naturalistic. You're like, is she acting, or is this just, like, did they just find this girl, you know? Yeah, her friend, too, the uh, quirked-up little white boy, it was, was, like, it was at least something, you Yeah, know? he was fine, and then they but like, ended up being in it. It reminded me, yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, it reminded me of that little kid from Role Models. Hmm, yeah. It was like, kind of steals the movie, and it's, you know, it's a kid. And you know how I feel about child I did actors. like when they ate the cocaine. That was probably the only good joke. Yeah, yeah. Movie. Um, but anyway. Yeah, maybe, so maybe that, that Florida Project girl is, is a good actor, though. I looked, I'd like to see her in something else. Anyway, disappointing that, it, that's like the meme of I'm, uh, I'm disappointed, and I, I, what is it? It's like it's like the kid from Malcolm in the Middle. He's like saying, "I'm let down, and I didn't expect anything." I'm butchering this terribly, but that's the oh, gist. I, I, I've forgotten. Disappointed. I expected nothing, and I'm still let down. Yeah, yeah. There we go. It, that's it. I expected nothing. My oh, last thought on Cocaine Bear. Also, another just thing. The movie opens with um, the same song that's like the opening song of What Hot American Summer. Uh huh. I mean, directed by Elizabeth Banks. Yeah, I'm like, did she just take this from the, what she was in? Or is that, like, some kind of, like, nod to that? Or I, I didn't get that at all. I can't yeah, imagine yeah. it ends. I can't imagine it would be. I, uh, yeah. That Maybe that's something only I would notice and think about. But I was like, what? Why? <laughs> I, I like the song. It's a Jefferson uh, Starship song called Jane. But anyway. So let's transition to Infinity New Pool. I won't say the meme fits for this one but after uh possessor which i think we both really liked i do think this one was a little bit of a letdown for me i expected quite a bit and i i was disappointed yeah so that's the new meme that's i expected a lot and i'm a little disappointed or yep. were you more than a little I, I was really just a little disappointed we can get into it okay well let's welcome back to the program from the northman alexander skarsgård uh, the Northman episode, and from uh, the Pearl episode, more recent, Mia Goth. Queen. They're the, the two stars of this one. Yeah, like we, like I said, it's Cronen, Brandon Cronenberg, the son of David. 
I think we didn't do a full episode on Possessor, but we talked about it a little bit on a past episode. Yeah. This one is still very violent like that was. More sex in this one, probably. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There was definitely some in Possessor as well. More trippy visuals. Yeah. Trippy visuals. I guess it's a... Well, we we should get into spoilers probably soon enough on this one. Do you want... What else can we say before that, though? Ostensibly a horror film, I guess. It's horror adjacent, for sure. It's it's gory at times. Thriller? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like a horror thriller. Sci-fi, I guess. Yeah. It's like sci-fi horror. Yeah, it's definitely a cross-genre type of... It's like, um... I got it. We're coining the phrase horror of manners. Horror of manners? Yeah. Like a comedy of manners. A horror of manners. Okay. I, what, what's another example, maybe, of that genre that, that you coined? A lot one? of the ones that I'm thinking of just go straight into horror territory. What was that one with... What, what's the guy from Sex Education? Asa Butterfield? I saw that. Flux Gourmet. Yeah, yeah, the uh, newest... Uh, what's his name film? Strickland. Peter Strickland film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I liked it. Not my favorite of his, but interesting enough right and like that's on shutter but there's nothing horrific about it i mean except for like squelching yeah. noises yeah, it's very scatological that one yeah the, yeah i guess some yeah it's definitely not i would say infinity pool is much more of a horror than that yeah yeah there's 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 definitely some gore i mean i guess should we just get like real into it we, we should describe the plot maybe uh, sure go ahead yeah, Infinity Pool is the story of a couple on vacation at uh, a made-up private island, and they're on a resort. Uh, they meet another couple who basically, like, trick them into more and more misadventures, and it becomes a somewhat interesting, like, class war thing. Yeah, yeah that's the movie. Yeah, the basic setup at the beginning is as Skarsgård plays in a basically a pretty unsuccessful author as like written one book but his wife is the rich daughter of like the publisher uh-huh and then the couple that they meet says like oh they're fans of his one book right it's definitely like what if everyone's always always talking about imposter syndrome but like someone has to be right when they're telling themselves they're not good enough uh-huh. <laughs> yeah Hey, we don't know maybe the book was a secret masterpiece like the the couple had their own agenda the wife, you know, has a whole thing with her dad or something. That was like, I married you because my, I hate my dad. And yeah, he didn't want me to marry an author. So we don't. We didn't get really a good, I guess, uh, a uh, subjective or an objective uh, reader of the of the book. It might have been. That's true. That's true. Uh, the the voice of God did not come in and tell us the the book's quality. But given what we see about the character's journey, I guess the film is implying probably not. Yeah, so should we get into... I mean, before the, the spoilers, then I guess... I, I would say if you liked Possessor, still give this a watch. Or if you if you are into this, I guess, horror of manners thing. If you like Possessor, go into it not expecting Possessor. Um, and I think you, you might enjoy it. It's not bad. I just didn't love it. Yeah. Uh, agreed. I think we're on the same page with this one. Mia Goth is incredible in this. She is incandescent and it works really well played against kind of a muted performance from our stoic Swedish king, uh, Alexander Skarsgård. 
Yeah, she's over the top. Uh, that's kind of her thing, I guess, as an actor. I like it a lot. Pearl is a better film that we reviewed last year. <laughs> yeah. I would say. So watch that first if you haven't seen that yet. But um, I guess she's not just purely over the top. That was maybe a little uh, not accurate. But she's like, she definitely has a crazy vibe all the time, even when she's like, yes. Chill. I watched this with my girlfriend and she made the comment, I think toward the end, like after everything that happens in the film, then all the rich people going back from their vacation, I'll, I'll get to like their normal, like, oh, what's going on at the office? Oh, or vacation's over, you know, yep. on the bus. And my girlfriend said like, oh, she's like scarier when she's just being chill, <laughs> normal, normal. And I was like, yeah, I think that's, that's uh, accurate. But then she has all the scenes where she is doing the over the top thing when, when she, the character kind of quote unquote turns against uh, what's the name James Sadie Skarsgård's name is uh, James uh, yeah I want to say yeah and yeah basically this is a clone and it's another somewhat commentary on rich people mm-hmm. doing whatever they want having no consequences for their actions I guess yeah there's definitely something in it there's a little class war in there right and like proximity mm-hmm. to the wealthy doesn't make you wealthy it doesn't mean that they'll ever accept you as one of them and like that that goes all the way back to the Gatsby to the great Gatsby and further right there's also like something about how like the only revenge because especially in the early part I guess now are we spoiling it yeah yeah in the early part you do see rich people punished for their misdeeds the thing is that's not actually them Uh, there's definitely some kind of metaphor in there that I'm not wrong to read about how, like, the only revenge we will ever get on the wealthy is through, like, simulacra, like, like movies, right? And then he takes that and turns it this into a story about how, no, you will never get revenge on the wealthy, you're not even playing the same game, and they make all the rules. Mm-hmm. And are we kind of maybe are reaching a saturation point with, maybe this film is commenting on it a little bit, like you're saying, well, are we reaching a little bit of a... What I just the word I just said that went out of my head already. Um, saturation point. A saturation of uh, these rich people behaving badly films or TV shows also, or just like seeing rich people be miserable or be be depraved or all this stuff. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Also, there are too many of them, and like people disagree. The opinion on the quality of each property varies, right? Like a lot of people didn't like the menu at all, and I thought it was like a. A nice little movie. Yeah, I enjoyed it. So, like, your mileage may vary, but really when people are, like, so annoyed that we keep making the same movie about how rich people finally get punished, or or, or, or in this case, wait, no, they don't. We're talking about, like, what, 12 movies? They make hundreds of movies a year. So I, I would push back a little on that as far as class consciousness or fake class consciousness has, like, taken over Hollywood, you know? Sure. I mean, they make hundreds of movies a year, thousands, but... I mean, what the general public or even people that are, are really into films like we are, what are going to be aware of? Not even, you know, only a small percentage. These are the ones bubbling to the surface, you mean? Um, sure. Yes. Or also it could be like, we don't know what all these other, the themes of these other ones, even if they're probably not done well or with any type of budget, could be similar as well. So That's fair. I don't know. Yeah, so that so the clone element is th- that that's the sci-fi element, I suppose. Um, basically, these yeah, let's get into that. This island can the government of it, I guess. It's all it's all tourist based, and it's a fictional country, I guess. If rich 
uh, foreigners commit crimes there. Like you're the well in general, I guess the law of the country is like the it's like an eye for an eye type of thing. Like if you kill uh-huh. someone, their son can kill you. Well, it's like it's for a lot of things. It seems yeah. like like the society the society on this island very much demands blood price for lo- mm-hmm. wrongdoing. But it's like a beautiful island, and they've made some kind of deal with the rich tourists. That's like. Okay, well, we're not going to stop coming here and doing bad shit that rich people keep getting away with everywhere all around the globe. So, like, let's come up with a solution. That solution is that we clone you and execute the clone in front of you. <laughs> yes. Now, this leads to a question, I, I suppose, that's not the point of the film, but if the country has this technology, one would think they would be able to make money out other than tourism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, they don't mm-hmm. certainly get into that at all. I mean, that they don't really dive in that much to the sci-fi element the point is like you they can make these clones and they will make them and then these rich people basically do tour like murder tourism and they kind of get into that just killing people from from the island mm-hmm. and then getting themselves their clones killed basically i like the scene where i think it was the second time he gets killed his clone i guess gets killed they also go on the question of how do you know it's not really you i get they don't they don't ever tip if it is if the original ones are getting killed and the clones are living or not i think they're saying it's not the it's still the originals by the end but yeah well and they they also and through them the movie is really not actually curious about the answer to that question right and that's like part of what's a little annoying about this movie is that is like such an interesting thing to maybe explore and we don't do that right it's a little yeah it's a little boring about the depravity angle and the angle of what you're you're kind of talking about the outsider to that or the adjacent person adjacent person to this mm-hmm, lifestyle mm-hmm. but yeah what i was going with is oh i did like the scene where they were where they're all as the group and they think they're gonna be free and then they all get killed and then but then you cut to the stands or whatever and it's like and they're like applying <laughs> yeah yeah and that's when you're like okay they because uh, it's for a second you're like oh maybe these people will get their come up it's here but no it's not at all the case so then it get it devolves to a point where that well for a little while it's like it was giving me like clockwork orange vibes almost when they, they go to that house and they start like roughing everyone up yeah they pull that guy out who appears to have a i won't say a micro penis but but basically i don't know he's, oh. he's got like this yeah. acting job you get where you're like just be naked like I'm sure it's uh, cold in there and everything or that's the point but <laughs> um, I just sure. do wonder about these things like why yeah, why yeah. do you want to do this job as like a 60 year old like non-speaking <laughs> murder uh, billionaires in their private villa they there's a hit and run thing what else do they get in trouble yeah for? the hit well the hit and run that's another thing like you were saying the couple so it's Mia Goth and her uh, husband. They get the the Skarsgård and his wife couple like into trouble purposely, but initially mm-hmm. they don't even do that. And he, they're all drunk, and he volunteers to drive and and hit kill, you know hit someone and kills them. Uh, so maybe the couple was going to get them down this path later on anyway. Or was well, she even remarks later like we didn't even have to try. Right, right. You got yourself in trouble. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, that's the first thing that we learn about. Oh, the clone situation. Obviously, the wife—not obviously, but the wife—is upset with the whole thing. 
he seems kind of into it initially, though. They give him, like, a urn with the ashes of the clone. It does seem to awaken something in the James character. And, I mean, I guess that's further explored later on when she's having him fight the clone. Uh, like, show him your strength. There, there is, like, this weird... It, it feels like a commentary on the obsession with, like, aspirational, like, masculinity online. Like, performative aspirational masculinity. And, like, what that obsession, like, does to, like, the self... I guess more accurately, like, the material helplessness that it obviously is trying to cover for, right? So it is, I guess, in my understanding, all coming back to the class war situation. But it does, like, spend a long time trying to obfuscate that by, like, show him your strength, James, you know? Yeah. I mean, they have the whole thing before that of, like, he's beating himself up and he doesn't realize it's his clone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Same scene, yeah. But, yeah, anyway, the wife gets out, wants to get out of there, but he, like hides his passport and uh, says he lost it and so he can stay basically yep he and, plays right into their hand yeah 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 so they all uh yeah do what what we've already talked about basically and uh, that's it they had their fun and they're going back from their vacation and he's gonna go too but then he stays that's that yeah that is the end we are leaving out the part where he tries to get away because it's all become too much for him right yeah that's before he has he kills his clone then they yeah and mia goth takes it to 11 12 and 13 yeah that's when she's really over the top she's on the top on the hood of a car or uh, yeah the hood of a car that's being slowly driven drinking a bottle of champagne with a gun trained on him making him walk down the road so yeah. uh interesting imagery there one of the more truly evil characters I've seen you know, on screen in a long time. And then there's some parts where it's like, yeah, they're taking this drug and like hallucinating stuff. That was getting a little bit ponderous, I'll say. Yeah, and that's like, in kind of explaining the movie, we haven't really made any criticisms. Uh, and I think here's where we start to explain for people who haven't seen it what we didn't like about it. Because we're getting into, yeah. I guess the criticism overall for me is maybe... There's interesting ideas here, and I would have maybe seen it and taken it in a different direction. Oh, and it's not like he seems confused about what that idea is, right? It's the same thing as Possessor. Like, he knows what the story of the movie is. Yeah. The plot of Possessor was interesting, though, to me. Like, as the story unfolded, the main character is... It's really more from the... the Possessor, it's more from the side of the people that are... Like, the main character is not... Is not like in this movie, it's the dupe guy. In that movie, there is yeah. one, and he's like fighting back against what's happening to him. But yeah. it's not from his point of view completely. It's from the woman's point of view, like the main character who's like perpetrating the thing against him and other people. So just that whole setup was more interesting to me and, and where that was going. I, I just think this movie gets a little lost in its trippy visuals, a right. little lost in trying to obfuscate what the point is because like it knows the whole time right but it wants us to guess and be wrong a couple of times right and i think in obfuscating and abating closure in that way and just lingering so long on these trippy scenes mm. we're, we're getting into like cocaine era nicholas rogue territory where it's like okay come on come well, like like we have to get out of your asshole and finish this movie yeah um, which is unfortunate because i loved possessor and possessor did most of the same shit and i just think it was a overall more coherent and enjoyable like movie 
Uh, yeah, I completely agree. Even when he's beating himself up in this and, like, going crazy on himself. Like, that's kind of similar to the scene where Sean Bean gets beat up and possessed yeah. there, but not done as well. I don't know. Yeah. Like I said, I think we're kind of on the same page. Now, if we want to tra- talk, start talking a little bit about our, our pair here. I think it's time. This, on the other hand, was, I think, a good example of a simple story told effectively not lingering too long on one thing like do, doing a pretty yeoman's job of just like a simple thing it not, is very clear what's happening in this movie yeah uh, by the way i did notice that uh, as this so there's some class elements in both that we could pair this some horror elements in both the one thing i noticed though the ending shot of both films is very similar which i did not expect yeah yeah okay both end with the main character uh sitting well one and Karenigo is uh, dead, I guess, supposed to be, but like covered in snow. And then in Skarsgård and Infinity Pool is just sitting there covered with rain that's coming down on him. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if that means anything. Probably not, but. Well, I mean. Kind of a coincidence. It wins this year's decision to leave award for the, for the most point break ending uh, so far. <laughs> yeah. In terms of the wetness on screen, perhaps, but I do think Decision to Leap had the, the extra point break element of the... It was the clearly cop chasing point break, down. Yeah. yeah. But so Kuroniko is... This is a film I'd heard about a while ago. It's in the Criterion Collection. Like I said, it's Japanese, late 60s. I had it on my list for a long time to watch. I figured, why not pull the trigger this this March 2023? It's essentially a ghost story, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, from 1968 mm-hmm. directed by Kanato Shindo who I had never heard of I'm possibly wrong but I believe I'm correct that he he is the same director as, as a the film Onibaba which is also in the 60s a more famous film okay. which I saw a while back also has some ghost elements and I like that one too I might have liked this one a little better this is a little more contemplative I think but the basic premise is a wife of a, I guess, a farmer turned samurai and his mother, like her mother-in-law, are left at home. A bunch of samurais come in, like rape and murder them, burn their house down. And then for, for whatever reason, a black cat that's on the property decides to like jump into the, their soul somehow. They basically make, what we figure out later is they make some kind of pact with the underworld to stay alive as demons, basically ghosts on Earth, to, to drink the blood of samurai. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the twist, of course, is that their husband slash son is a samurai now. He comes back a war hero, essentially, and uh, gets tasked with killing the, the uh, ghosts that have been killing samurais. Classic. Yeah. What did you think about this one? I didn't like it very much, and then I liked it a lot. It's okay. one of those movies that it didn't seem like anything interesting was going to happen, and then it goes into some really interesting territory. Uh, this is like a lot of movies from, you know, pre-1970 and whatever culture. A lot like a stage play, um, in a way that was hard, a little hard to get into. Especially at the beginning, when they had to somehow show place and character and, like, establish all sorts of shit with a camera that was available to them in 1967, 1968. Yeah, it ramps up into something really interesting, and I liked it a lot. Yeah, I agree with that, the play aspect. 
it's mostly done on these in these couple of rooms and this kind of pathway through the pine not the pines but through the rushes or whatever it is that there's like no dialogue for the first like maybe 10 minutes at least something like that right during during the robbery rape and uh murder yeah yeah and then basically what happens is these samurai just are you know coming into town or on the way into town or whatever by themselves the wife character looking like herself comes out and entices them to come back home for uh, for sake and uh sake and chill then the two women slash ghosts murder the samurai and it goes on for a while so they but they are like cats too they have all this like the guests are like what i hear like yeah what is that do you have a cat no and then they're mm-hmm. like you see flash in a mirror or something it's like a cat face or whatever like at a later point in the film he cuts off the arm and it's a cat it turns like a big yeah cat yeah um even the makeup that they give especially the 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 older woman it was very cat-like the mother yeah and then basically like the emperor whoever it is is like you have to tells the main samurai general or whatever you have to take care of this problem and that guy doesn't believe there is such thing as ghosts mm-hmm. which i would be on his side too normally but um i guess he was wrong in this case uh, and yeah, it it just so happens that the son comes back and is like, he said he was like in a fight with like hundreds of guys on each side, and then he was just left at the end with the the other general on the other side, basically. Well, yeah, it, it seems like it comes down to complete accident that the yeah. two of them were the last ones left, and then it's even more like complete accident that he kills the enemy general. Yeah, but like the other general was like, oh, you must be. Uh, a famous general since you're the one it is like interesting i guess i mean this film's about like your place in society and what that means a little bit right as well there's all there's a lot of talk about like, samurai are the ones fighting the wars and, and we're the ones with the with the power to take whatever we want from the lower classes and, and therefore like it's fine and even even more it's right that we should rob rape and murder people's families while they're gone you know and then the main samurai, or like the boss samurai, I guess, even at one point he says something like, the peasants, like, who who cares what they think or even considers them human? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's where we could tie in with uh, Back with Infinity Pool a little bit. Basically killing and getting away with it, although the change then being here that they're not getting away with it because intervention from the underworld or demons ghosts whatever mm-hmm. revenge it's it's so funny too because like people have this idea from i guess just being americans watching anime stylizes and reveres like the idea of a samurai that like a samurai would be some kind of like noble knight mm-hmm. character and you just see over and over on twitter like actual historians or actual japanese people be like actually the the way that the Bushido code or the samurai code was written is if a peasant doesn't get out of his way fast enough and you're crossing the same bridge, he's basically honor bound to murder the president, take everything he owns. <laughs> it's just like, these were not like great guys. Also, even you said that a knight and like were knights like uh, at the same time period or whichever time period there, they were probably killing people too and stuff, you know? Like I assume, yeah. Just anyone that has the power, this power given to them in this kind of feudal society. Exactly. Yeah, I think this, it's, it is kind of a horror, but it's not really, it's not like scary at all, really, or anything. It's kind of like... Yeah, I mean, it might have been, right? 
There are some kind of jump scares where you can see, like, the women uh, in demon makeup and, like, reflected in a pool of water or whatever. Yeah, but I liked the mood of it, I guess. Like, the mm-hmm. it, it passed the vibe check for me on this one. Great vibes, great vibes. They do a couple really interesting things in the movie that I wanted to talk to you about. The, the first thing is, like, yeah. the women floating, flying all over the place, like, Crouching Tiger style. Shout out to Michelle Yeoh. It's really interesting... The way that they, the like... Wusha element. Yeah, cu- like, cut that in to a shot of a samurai, like, riding his horse across a bridge or whatever. The other thing is, after the women have died, when they're taking the samurai back, there's this weird editing trick that I don't understand what exactly they've done, where you're seeing both the shots of, like, the thicket, right? The grove, the, the like, bamboo, bamboo stalks and, 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 and plants and other trees... Like, inside the image of the house that they're in. Uh, And that happens a couple times, like, three or four times. Uh, And I I was really, like, shocked that they were able to get that done. Some kind of camera overlay? Film overlay, I guess? Yeah, yeah, it must have been something like that. But just, like, this is 1968. I just genuinely didn't expect that that you would be able to do that. That's cool. Yeah, I, I would assume this film had a fairly small budget. It seems like they got a good amount out of what they had. And the the performances are good, I think, all the main performances, especially the main character, kind of son character. Yes, played by Kichima Nakamura. And he's generally is like a noble guy, basically, not like these other samurai, from what we can tell, at least. Well, and that's the, yes, that's the tragedy of the whole thing. He's not, like, he's accidentally made a samurai because he's the last... He was the last person who accidentally got to kill the enemy general. He's not one of them. That's so clear in the way he behaves and the way they behave and the like the way he just interacts with the ghost women. Like he's not trying to take anything from them. He's just like, wait, don't I know you? So yeah, you look exactly like my also where my old house was around here somewhat. <laughs> oh, the yeah. tragedy is they've pledged their immortal souls to this class war and I guess we'll spoil it. Yeah. It's from 1968. By not killing him, she has consigned herself to like, actually, my own life is over and I am in hell now. Yeah, that's the, uh, the, the, what, his wife. Um, yeah. The daughter-in-law. They basically bang for like seven nights straight and then that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the farewell tour. It's like by ascending to that status, even accidentally, even like not, not wanting it, not wanting to yeah. be that way. His family is in fact lost to him forever. Mm-hmm. And then the mother, she doesn't want to not see him either or whatever, but like she's... But she has to keep killing samurai because she's... Set to go through with it. Yeah, she's clinging to this on life and her vengeance too. In a way that's like, if I'm going to have to fight you, I will fight you. And then also my very clever ruse to get inside the temple and get my arm back. Yeah, that's the one thing. So It was a little dumb. This should have been done a different way. So the end basically is... He, well, so he just, because of that, having sex with the ghost's wife, and then she had to go away because of that, he's like, oh, he tells, like, the general, like, uh, oh, well, she's, uh, I took care of one of them, like, she won't be back. Mm-hmm. So he's like, you have to get the other one, though, and get proof. So that's when the whole cat arm thing comes in. He slices the arm off. So then, like I mentioned about this guy, he still doesn't believe that the ghost, he's like, it was just some big cat or whatever. Like, yeah. I pulled the same trick back in the day. I just killed some bandit, but everyone thought it was a, a demon, so I went along with the story to get famous, basically. Yeah. But he's like, so go make a big show of uh, 
going to the temple for a week and uh, whatever, you know, getting holy again. or I don't, I don't know what the term is. So he's doing that. And then on the last night, yeah, the, a woman's at the door saying, like, the emperor, because he's supposed to be alone this whole time, but, like, she's like, the emperor said, I have to come in and do this or mm-hmm. you and your boss will be in trouble. So he reluctantly lets her in. Now, what's worse? He doesn't have any. F- this is the seventh day yeah. where 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 this happens, and it's been, as far as we know, and we've seen some of it, six days of the mother demon banging on the walls and shrieking, like trying to get in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, this is a different woman now. So, but also, she doesn't have anything covering her face. Like eventually, at the end, he notices, like, where's your arm, and then it's revealed. They should have, the filmmakers should have done this differently, like, had her face covered or something. Because, like, it's clearly your mother. Like, it's, yeah, looks the same. it's, a, it's the same actress. How do you not notice this immediately? Yeah. yeah. I get up before he comes back and he thinks his mother and wife are dead. He's like, but you look just like them. Okay, fine. But then this part was like, all right, that's a little too much. But anyway, a relatively minor quibble, I guess. You know what it reminded me of, weirdly, in that way? I mean, not weirdly. The setup is pretty much, is pretty similar. Uh, are you familiar with... It's like the first Russian horror talkie, V, V-I-Y. No, I don't think I am familiar. Oh, well, there's this, like, witch, and uh, she has been killed, and in order to, like, ensure that she's not going to come back with all the powers of, like, Satan or whatever whatever Russian peasants believed witches did, these monks have to, like, sit vigil with her for three nights, and... There's, like, this one terrified monk who's stuck in the chapel with her, and shit's going crazy, like, her coffin's moving, and then eventually, to spoil up, again, the first Russian horror talkie, demons start crawling out of the walls and shit. Uh, It's pretty fucking cool. But yeah, it reminded me of that a lot, because he's, like, trapped in the temple with her, and, like, it's obviously a bad situation that he should not have put himself in. Uh, Just made, like, a, a little mistake, like, fudging his salt circle, and suddenly, you know... He's unprotected. And there's, like, the tension of he still doesn't really want to kill his, what's t- basically his mother. Yeah, like he took yeah, arm, for sure. Like, he doesn't want to do it. Really. So, yeah, I, I just looked up this V movie, and it came out in 67, yeah, Soviet Union, so one year earlier than Kuroniko. Oh, okay. Definitely. For some uh, reason, I thought it was from, like, 1930-something. So that's, okay, my bad. I guess this could be a remake of the one I have here. No, well, it's just based on a story from the 1800s. Well, I'll have to watch that sometime. Yeah, so anything else we want to talk about with either of these films? Uh, I'm, I think we've given a pretty exhaustive analysis of these two movies that, uh, weirdly, I liked the classic film better this time. Which <laughs> is not always hey, on the, in the cards for It's black and white and everything. All right. It is, it is. It doesn't make you want to... F- finally finished Dracula's Daughter. Uh, no amount of actual real-world dollars could make me finish Dracula's Daughter. Well, we'll keep working on that one, but okay. So what uh, remains to be seen is what should we check out next episode on Movies Are Relevant April style. Yeah, what the hell is that out even? Cre- Not like we usually announce it on the, uh, on the pod, but... I mean, we do a little pontificating, sometimes. though. See Creed what's coming. Out? I guess Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Rogues, or uh, uh, Ne'er Do Wells is the obvious choice. You said it like five times now. It is. It is the one that we're going to do. We will be doing that movie. We're announcing it now. Okay. It might be re- uh, relegated to the section that like Cocaine Bear was in this one. We'll have to see if it works. It's possible. <laughs> treatment. Um, yeah, you mentioned John Wick, or I mentioned it with John Wick. Uh, 
I didn't really love the last two and three, so I'm not really excited about four. I thought they were pretty cool. Murder Mystery 2 coming out on Netflix. So I'm sure there'll be a lot to talk about with that. Yeah, lots lots of uh, twists and turns in there. And of course, the, uh, the, the Chris Pratt Mario Brothers film is only a few weeks away. So Kill me. Plenty to discuss, I guess. Oh, Bo is Afraid, April 1st. That's what we're doing. Oh, okay, the new Ari Aster film. April 1st that comes out? Yep. Perfect. So well, that'll be that'll be good for April then. So we'll probably look out for that one. But yeah, I was just about to say, we don't have to really clean up any of the Oscar things. Like from a movie we hadn't, film we hadn't seen or discussed yet. Because we'd already talked about everything everywhere all at once. So go back and listen to that one from months ago. And we couldn't even do like a quirky alternative Oscars like we did last time because we have already missed the show so everyone who didn't like that you're in luck that's right well we yeah we still talked about it enough I think yeah so stay subscribed to Brooklyn Rebound Network here definitely use code BKRB for DraftKings Sportsbook and uh, join us back next time for a little more movie talk. Oh, also check out Drew's Views on YouTube. Eric and I are doing a little Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood reactions at the moment. And I'm doing other stuff as well over there. But for now, we're going to be out of here. Don't kill your clone. Be nice to it if you see it uh, with a bag on its head. And don't, don't get revenge. Don't kill any samurai that wander through either. Just leave them. You know what? If you do swear eternal revenge against a specific class of uh, abuser, follow through. You know? Okay. Even if it's your son. Yeah, Just, so you know. that's the opposite of what I'm saying. But okay, so Eric says follow through. Kill even your own son. I said if. Like, if you get stuck in that situation, just, you know, finish what if you you're started. you're in that very specific situation. Got it. Alright, well, we'll be out of here. Peace. Productions.